0: Be in Book Week, romance nerds! For the first time ever, Raging Romantics is celebrating by examining some frequently challenged romance books. Woo. Hey there, romance nerds! I'm Jen and I'm Jackie. We're two librarians from nopel in Upstate New York, and you're listening to Raging Romantics.
1: In this podcast, we like to think a little too deeply about romance books. If you're into theory, history, and raging about romance landia, then you should stick around.
0: Please be advised that some of the things we talk about may not be suitable for younger listeners. Content warnings for episodes are available in the show notes. Jen, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready.
1: All right. Let's, Let's rage! rage. Hey, Jen. Hey, Jackie. Would you like to learn a new four letter word that is so shocking? It has people making lawsuits. What, like, fine? book <laughs> yeah not funny haha I'm dunk, but I'm crying on the inside <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh she's actually chortling Big Jen it's, really good. it's so sad but it's really good <laughs> all
0: my library nerds why it's sad <laughs> seriously uh, oh my god what a beautiful opening to talk about banned books week I know we haven't done it before on the podcast, but I felt really inspired by the last episode when we talked about Eleanor Glynn
1: and her book, Three Weeks. And on that note, I did have a quick correction from the last oh. episode. Nobody is surprised. I say a lot of <laughs> things sometimes. Um, one of the things that I said was that the Comstock laws were created in opposition of Eleanor Glynn's book, Three Weeks. That is not the case. I had my dates wrong. I apologize. I apologize. The Comstock Laws were codified in 1873, and Nell's book didn't come out until 1906, so there's like, what, a 33-year gap there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you were a little but off with But I map. think what I meant to say in that case was that the Comstock Laws perfectly applied themselves to the whole banning and challenging of Glenn, uh, Eleanor Glenn's books. Okay. All right. I had another question, too, yeah. when I was re-listening to the episode.
0: Okay. You said a lot in the beginning that she was faithful the f- whole time to her husband, but then we introduce the guy that she is not faithful to. So, was that your misspeaking, speaking, or was it, did they not have a physical relationship?
1: No, they did. So, what I meant was she was faithful for the majority of her marriage, I okay. guess is what I should say. And then I don't know what flipped in her brain. Maybe George was just such a hunk. Maybe she was had just had a way with words. She finally was like, I'm done. She
0: got to her limit. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to cheat. Yeah. Which I approve of in that specific case. In that specific case. Good job, Eleanor. I'm still very yeah, proud. You
1: <laughs> George, we still don't like you. No,
0: no. He did not win me
1: over. You know what was interesting? Just, hmm. sorry, one last thing. I could not find a picture of Clayton anywhere. Oh. I found pictures, obviously, of That's Nell, really of their daughters, of her yeah. mom um not of grandma Lucy. um but i did also find obviously pictures of george and all of our hmm. cohorts but none of clayton
0: i'll be honest i expected clayton to be really like egotistical and have pictures yes. of himself all over maybe it's one of those things where after he died she just went on like a purge and and burn all of his
1: pictures <laughs> like got the garbage can. yeah wouldn't that be an awesome toss like it venge- in the bin
0: <laughs> like a vengeful move just yes. like nobody is gonna remember your name nobody's gonna remember your face they're gonna remember mine I like it. I like that. That belonged in one of her movies, I, I think. ship it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's why there's no Clayton. Yeah. I hope so. Cause Clayton. Though I am kind of curious what he looks like that, that inspired such de- like de- devotion yeah. from her. Devotion. Devulsion. Thank yeah. you. I'm going to be great at words today, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel
1: it. We're both so loopy. <laughs> it's going to be gone. It's going to well, be Well, anyways,
0: something- Jen, tell us more about band books. Oh, I would love to. So, for any romance nerds that are not also library nerds, Ban Book Week is a campaign started by the American Library Association in 1982. Woo! It's a week every year in September where libraries highlight banned and challenged books. This year, we are celebrating it from the 18th to the 24th, so please be on the lookout for any displays or social media posts. Mm-hmm. During the year, the ALA compiles data on books that are being challenged throughout the country, and they keep track of what gets banned for what reasons. They also release a top 10 banned book list every year. Mm-hmm. So I want to take a really, really quick sidebar <laughs> to explain why I am emphasizing challenge books, because this is a personal pet peeve of mine in <laughs> library land, because there is a difference between banned books yes. and challenged books. Speaking as a public librarian in a public library, because this is different from a school, Very different. let's pretend a patron decides a book like The Three Little Pigs shouldn't be on the shelf, and they make a written complaint to the library staff. Has to be written. Yes. You can complain as much as you like, but I don't have to do anything until it's on paper. Yes, exactly. Has to be written.
1: We're librarians. We like physical things on paper. Yes, we
0: like our, uh, our sources and our files. Yes. So that book is challenged and the librarians have to decide if that complaint has any merit. If we decide it doesn't, the book stays. If we decide, okay, we messed up and the book really shouldn't be here. It's just it's too mean to wolves or <laughs> whatever the problem is. Uh, then, yeah, the book is removed and banned. We don't replace it or buy a new one. It's not like a really dramatic, like, we don't put it on a list. We don't, right. like, announce it throughout the the ages. It's just
1: we don't get it. We, we get rid of right. it. That's it. And also, it's not just librarians who are deciding. It's kind of this whole council, I guess well, you could say. Oh, here it say. is. So, like, again, speaking as public librarians, yeah, it's like three public librarians here. Yeah. And maybe a board member? There's a board member on okay, there. Okay, but, like, so library-associated people. Yes. And our board is... People they're they're public figures. They aren't librarians. They aren't Mm -hmm. necessarily like library workers. They are outside public members who come in and they work with the library to you know kind of necessitate that relationship between the community and the library. So they're elected officials for the most part, unless they run representatives. (laughs) 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 Yeah, but But they also have a say in. mm like the decision. So it's not just librarians being like, this patron was really mean to the three <laughs> little pigs. I don't know what their prejudice no, no, no. It's like we literally sit down, we're like, okay, let's go through this page by page, line by line. Let's look at the reviews. Let's look at the content. Let's look at the standards and mm-hmm. see if this should be removed from our library's collection. Yes. So there is nuance between the, ter- the yes. two
0: terms that I really wanted to make clear because band Book Week, it just kind of lumps them together because Banned Book Week sounds a lot snazzier of a title it than does. this it, is Challenged Book Week. It rolls like, off not, the tongue. It's not as good. You want the, the BBs. Yeah. You know, it sounds better. BB-8. The BB-8. <laughs> <The> BB <eight. laughs> anyway. The point of the whole week <laughs> is to highlight how important free access to information is, challenge censorship, and to shine a light on the stories affected. Mm. When I first started in libraries when I was 16, it was just sort of a fun week where the library I worked at put out banned and challenged books on display, and I know I remember what a having golden to, tie. <laughs> I know I used to get to look up the reasons why something like Captain Underpants had been challenged and yeah. added to the display, and we just had like these nice conversations with patrons of like, yeah, Captain Underpants gets banned because of the potty humor, isn't that funny? Ha mm-hmm. ha ha ha! Or even
1: two years years ago I had to display out where I had like banned stickers that I slapped like caution tape that I mm-hmm. slapped over yeah. books on my display like this book has been banned and I got to talk with patrons about like we don't ban books here at the library if somebody challenges a- and then you know we go through this whole rigmarole but we don't ban books this is just to bring awareness to yeah. books that have been banned in the past exactly and it just wasn't dramatic it was
0: very nice yes and uh if you are a library nerd no, who keeps not. up with the news <laughs> you know that's not the case
1: anymore <laughs> I live in fear of these yeah. Bands coming through north syracuse i will admit
0: so for the most part books that are banned or challenged tend to be kid or young adult books so i'm i don't want to be too self-indulgent about this episode and turn it into a soapbox that would be very easy for oh, me. but again, Yeah, but that's not the point of Raging Romantics, unfortunately. I think you guys can assume the reasons why that is. Mm. Uh, a lot of people get very concerned about quote-unquote protecting children. Mm. So those are the books that are put under the most scrutiny. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of exceptions, but the bulk of books challenged for the last couple of years have been lgtp plus anti-racist or other progressive themes i like i said i really don't want to spend a lot of time on it today just because we're a podcast that talks about adult romance but if you have any questions or you want some good resources to learn more please feel free to email us at ragingromantics at noble.org ala also has a website where you can take a look at all the frequently banned and challenged books throughout the years or just visit your friendly local librarian yeah we love talking about it at least for me professionally, it is really interesting to see the what books are on the list and how mm-hmm. it changes or doesn't change every year and you know it's infuriating too yeah. sometimes but.
1: I will say we've been lucky at least here at North Syracuse we've been lucky and that most of the patrons who come in they're like I know what's going on like I read the paper there have been a lot of posts about this in the paper recently and I'm sure Jen's going to talk about it here in a bit um and they've been coming and be like I know what you guys are going through I just want to say we support you we love your collection we understand what you're trying to do and if they do have any objections for the most part they've been pretty polite about it Thank you so much to those nice patrons. Thank you, patrons. (laughs) And we
0: just we appreciate so much that people are concerned and caring towards children.
1: Yes, yes, we we appreciate that. Librarians are subversive, but we are not. (laughs) We're not your enemy. No, we're not your enemy. We. I mean, I didn't go to school for six years and get like six figures of debt to ruin children's lives. Like seriously. (laughs) Like, I just want everybody to be able to have access to information and to read books and to learn new things. Beautiful. Thank you.
0: But like we have been for the last two years, (laughs) we personally are a romance podcast, and that is going to be what I focus on today. Okay. And luckily for us... (laughs) (laughs) There has been plenty of romance book banning and censorship to go around. Gee, I wonder why. I know. We haven't been left out just because these books are for (laughs) adults. So we are going to talk about some of the formal ways organizations and governments have banned books and finish up with sneakier ways romance books have been censored Mm. or challenged. I like it. Thank you. Thank you so much to Northern Onondaga Public Library for the patience in sitting through what was my longest intro to an episode yet. (laughs) And for sponsoring the podcast, as always. If you like us or learn something new today, you can thank us by checking out a banned book next week at your local. Local library. Yes. And then you can also purchase it and support that author. That's a good point too, because bookstores do celebrate this week yeah. as well. We're very library centric, but do not forget about your local yes. bookstore. Yes, local bookstore. Local bookstore, please. Let's help out everybody. Yeah. So Jackie, would yes. you love to answer an obvious question for me? I will attempt. We'll make it real easy. Okay. Why do you think patrons object to romance <sighs> books and try to get them taken off of the shelves? Oh
1: gee, I don't know. Could it have something to do with the adult intimacy? I think that's a really good point. <laughs> wow,
0: that is not anything we have ever talked about before. That is beautiful. Thank you so much, Jackie. You're welcome. Yeah, it's basically the same reasons we've been talking about since the beginning of time and the podcast and life ex- itself. I was really hoping to shock you guys with an off-the-wall answer, but it boils down to the material being seen as obscene or immoral. Mm. That's definitely what happened with books like Fanny Hill, Lady Chatterley's Lover, and like we discussed last week, Three Weeks. Ooh. <laughs> So we've discussed Fanny Hill a bit in previous episodes, but I wanted to give you guys a deeper overview. Its title is actually Memoirs of a Woman of Pleasure, mm. but most people just call it Fanny Hill because that's a pretty long long and dumb title. Like it's Fanny Hill's long. easier to remember. It's so much easier to remember. <laughs> <laughs> it was published in London in 1748 by John Cleland and is considered the first English prose porn. Oh. That's probably why it's been banned so much, honestly.
1: Mm.
0: And obviously, we, we don't know for sure, but like we can pretty much assume this was probably the first one. Who yeah. knows, like, probably something or lost at lost to time, first, like, but.
1: Mass published one. Yeah, the, this is the one that got all the attention. So I'm going to say. This is right around the time of, like, printing yeah. presses really kicking in, and, you know, Benjamin Franklin was only a couple of years later in mm-hmm. America with newspapers. So so this was probably the very first one. Good job, Fanny, for being a, a trailblazer, I guess. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so. <laughs> So John Cleland finished working on the book while he was in debtor's prison for oh. owing over 100,000 euros today's money. Wow. Cleland claimed he wrote the book as a dare to prove you could write about <laughs> prostitution without using vulgar terms. And to be fair, there isn't any slang in the book. Oh. The one example I saw was that instead of saying vagina, one of the terms used was the
1: nether mouth. You know, I can totally picture some like romance <laughs> authors today using that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, we Aww. all know I love romance, but some of the
0: purple prose.
1: <laughs> some of it. You know,
0: the magical cavern. Oh, the P and the C. Has, the soldier standing, yeah, <laughs> standing to, to attention. attention. <laughs> so the book is organized into <laughs> two letters written by the heroine Fanny Hill and documents all these erotic adventures she goes on. Hmm. Uh, it's graphic enough that I feel like I can't really summarize it more than that, even for the podcast if I want to keep my job. Yeah. Wikipedia <laughs> does have a full breakdown if you would like to know all of the spoilers. And it is also free on Project Gutenberg. Yes. Thank you. We love Project Gutenberg. Definitely get it there if you'd actually want to read it. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Sorry. I just wanted to shout that out. I know.
0: But the part I want to remark on is that even though Fanny is a mistress for a while and she sleeps with multiple people, Cleland still gives her a happy ending. She marries her first love, Charles. And with that kind of setup to her life, I honestly expected her to die in a gutter somewhere. Because at the time, books were supposed to have these moral lessons that would show you the consequences of your actions.
1: Charles Dickens, I'm looking at you. Yeah, exactly.
0: And on top of all the sex, I do wonder if that's another reason people got so mad about this book. Mm. Because Fanny broke a lot of society's rules and still got rewarded in the
1: end. Wow, that sounds like Eleanor
0: Clinton. I really don't know how to emphasize enough how much sex was in this book.
1: Even for me. Like, 21st century well,
0: reader, it was, like, a ton.
1: Yeah. I mean, it makes sense if we're looking back at the time. Because, like you said, Cleveland wanted to write about sex workers. Mm-hmm. And this was during George Georgian England when sex work was, like, a huge part of the, not even the underground of London, but mm-hmm. the industry of London and England. Um, and... There's some really fascinating literature. If I can find some, I'll put it in the show notes for you.
0: I'm going to say, though, I think a lot of this, aside from the dare, was probably money related for oh, him. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, <laughs> he
1: needed money. <laughs> he needed a and lot of money. And he was like, money. what is so shocking? I mm-hmm. know it will sell in sex cells.
0: And I mean, he was right about that, yeah. honestly. So the first letter was published in November 1748, and the second was released on February 1749. Cleaning got out of jail on March 1749. So like I, we said, most of Fanny Hill was finished in the prison, and he had his friends on the outside actually worked towards publishing oh, it which was pretty cool interesting unfortunately though he does get arrested again oh. in november <laughs> for writing fanny oh, hill no. along with the publishers and the printer Ooh. he was charged with corrupting the king's subjects oh. and publicly regretted ever writing the book and stopped publishing oh, it.
1: oh that's so sad yeah so it
0: kind of ruined his life in a weird way nobody liked him after that <sighs> that didn't mean the book wasn't still popular though copies of the book would be sold underground and secretly it wouldn't be legally published for over a hundred years after wow. that. Cleland did try to sell an edited version, but nobody really cared about that.
1: So did he stay in jail after he was arrested for
0: writing? No, he did get out eventually. And they did try to charge him again with the edited version because they were still like, no, this is it's just ruined. You can't do this again. <laughs> and he tried, I think, to write some more, but he was never really that successful. Fannie mm-hmm. Hill did not bring in the riches he was hoping for, I mm-hmm. think. Interesting. Yeah, he sounded like he had a weird life. I don't know. The Wikipedia article I read said like he had disowned his mom too at some point. He just like seemed like he himself is probably a character. Hmm. I would really like to know how he did his research back then. I don't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I don't know. Like it sounds interesting, but at the same time, my cynical brain is going like, I don't oh, know yeah. if I'd want to know this That's person. Fair.
0: Okay, fair enough. Yeah, Cleveland. Okay, just like go to the, the Thank background you for of history. Being a groundbreaker. <laughs> Fanny Hill was the groundbreaker. He just got arrested a lot. That's true. So the book made its way to America eventually and was then banned by the Massachusetts Supreme Court. Of course, Massachusetts. Of course. (laughs) The chief judge wrote that the man who printed the book was a scandalous and evil disposed person who was corrupting citizens. Uh So again, no legal printings in the U.S. until the 1960s. And honestly, it's kind of cool to think of like an underground printing job, like churning out all these secret copies of Fanny Hill. I mean, it's pretty impressive that they kept it going for that long. Like, if we forgot about Eleanor Glynn within 40 years or something, and they kept this going for almost 200, yeah, like, that's pretty cool. I mean, I might say a lot about the book and the contents, but it's pretty cool. So again, there are no legal printings in the U.S. until the 1960s when Grove Publishing
1: would deliberately yeah. publish banned books to try to get the Supreme Court to rule on them. So Grove Publishing is actually super cool. Yeah. So I used to work at Syracuse University in the archives there, and Syracuse University has the Grove Press records. and they were absolutely like they were totally subversive Mm -hmm. they were like the wave of pre-hippies they published in san francisco (laughs) and like these little like Mm -hmm. publishing dens like speakeasy sort of things and they published like authors um so, for instance, Jack Kerouac, D.H. Lawrence, Henry Miller, uh, Pablo Neruda, Frank O'Hara—like all these big names—that today were like, oh yeah, these are like classics. This is literature. And back then, everybody like with it. Fanny Hill, they were it's like, really cool. no, this is dirty.
0: <laughs> and they were there. They are Grove Publishing. I didn't know yeah. that. That's really cool. So yeah, thanks to Grove. Yeah. Finally, in 1966, the Supreme Court would rule six to three that Fanny was not obscene and should be allowed to be sold. It still wouldn't be legal to do so in England until 10 years after that, though. Mm. And so they had their own issues still. Interesting. I mean, they're slow. So
1: Yeah. So
0: Lady Chatterley's Lover was published privately in Italy in 1928, which I was very curious about. I couldn't find any information on who published it privately. If it was mm. like their own little story they were going to keep to themselves. And then in France in 1929 by D.H. Lawrence. Yes. It was about an upper class woman's affair with a gamekeeper. Her husband is paralyzed from the waist down, and the heroine realizes she cannot live with the mind alone. Oh. <laughs> hey, hey, wink, wink. <laughs> Unlike Fanny Hill, there are lots of four-letter words <laughs> that shocked readers. The U.S. government banned it for obscenity in 1929, basically when it came out. Yeah. There was a senator named Bronson Cutting who wanted to pull back on government censorship and use Lady Chatterley's lover as an example. In response, Senator Reed Smoot threatened to read uncensored passages of the book out loud to the Senate (laughs) and described the book as written by a man with a diseased mind and a soul so black that he would obscure even the darkest of hell. (laughs) Guys, look how dramatic that is. It's just a book. Can you imagine these guys with a Twitter? Also, Smoot. (laughs) Smoot. It's like smut, but with a fun (laughs) accent. I thought that too. (laughs) <laughs> what a perfect guy to hate this book so much uh, and even the films were banned which i was surprised oh. by a french adaption was almost banned in 1959 by the new york government because it promoted adultery oh. so it did not have any kind of sex scenes in it it was just like this is gonna make people cheat on each other ah, hmm. which i thought was kind of funny for some reason though that was protected under the first amendment while the book itself would be banned until the 60s when challenges thanks to grove at the supreme court would overturn it
1: Hmm. which was pretty cool That's interesting that the First mm-hmm. Amendment would protect the films and not the book I think the, I was thinking about this and I think it's the time difference okay. because the book
0: challenges were earlier yeah and this was the film was later so I think at that point they were getting over it a little bit and they' were like all right the film's the first thing to come up we'll get rid of it it's not as big of a deal we'll get rid of these obscenity laws
1: I wonder too if it had anything to do with like distribution. So maybe. books, like, this is the 60s. Movies were still mm-hmm. not super accessible to, like, your daily person. That's true. But books, especially this book, which had been out, um, oh, well, it was just, like, out, like, what, 30 years? Yeah. 40 years? Um, it, maybe it was a little more accessible.
0: Maybe. I don't know. It's also something. But I think Grove just, like, had oh, gone yeah. on their high horse. And oh, like, yeah. All right, we're going to fix the they world. They totally did. And they did. So, thank you so much to Grove. So, and we already remembered from last week that three weeks was challenge two. I did find a copy on Project Gutenberg and read it. Um, Honestly, it was just fine. Yeah. Like, it was fine. I was trying so hard not to read it with a 21st century lens, but then I was kind of like... Like, that's it? Yeah. Like this is what caused all
1: that? Yeah. That that's, the, that's the thing. It's not, like, super scandalous. Like no. I said in the episode last time, it's not scandalous. It's not salacious. Like, it's not erotica, mm-hmm. b- besides the fact that she's sensuously writhing on a tiger yeah, skin. I, they, they writhe a lot yeah, in there's that book. A lot oh, my God. There's a lot of rubbing themselves on fabric.
0: Maybe just people were so taken <laughs> aback <laughs> by that they're like, <gasps> "Why would you?" I mean, maybe it's rare enough. I don't know. And then all the the one sex scene that really made me laugh, and it wasn't even a sex scene. <laughs> they're just like looking in each other's eyes, and then abruptly the image changes to the fire crackling in the fireplace, and sparks come off. Innuendo. It's so I much like innuendo. It. <laughs> I mean, it was interesting just because I haven't read a lot of that writing. Yeah, I was not expecting so much exclamation points. Uh, it's interesting too just to see how writing has changed through the decades like this was very much a narrator presenting these two to you as opposed to today we're very much like in the narrative yeah we want to be in the narrative we want to see not read the the one thing that shocked me was so you you guys already know that he she dies like you spoiled it last week yeah the king comes and murders her so when i got to that point i was kind of expecting either I don't know a, a change in point of view or something, but instead it's the narrator saying in a letter, like this is what happened.
1: Oh, which was it was, that like strange. was a very common yeah. um, way of doing things for books from that time period. Yeah. Like at the end, they would be like, "Dear reader," mm-hmm. and then she died.
0: But just compared to everything else, I mean, Jackie was was very right. It was pretty, maybe progressive is the wrong word, but reading it, I was so surprised at how they'd had this this male character in like the ingenue role and very he reminded me of a hippo for a a little bit himbo yeah Yeah. (laughs) i love a good himbo (laughs) just for a little bit because he was so stupid and she said all the time like oh you're asleep and i'm gonna wake you up and then three three weeks of sleeping with her and he he can like go for parliament as everybody says because he's just such a better man (laughs) she like opens his eyes and makes him so cultured and interesting and
1: that's so funny because obviously it's such a huge role reversal Mm -hmm. from like it's usually the man like awakening the woman because
0: thinking about it like it's the exact opposite of things like fair lady or 50 shades where it's the the guy in control and you know leading her along and no it's very much the lady doing this yeah not only that she's married Mm -hmm. jen super married yeah who's about to get murdered yeah yeah So, yeah, it was really interesting just for the time period. But, you know, I don't want to say Fanny Hill was, like, progressive, too, in the same way. But Fanny Hill really kind of took command of her destiny in a lot of ways. Like, she was, like, in the forefront, going out and doing things, making choices. Like, it is interesting that they put those both in similar things. And, like, with Lady Chatterley's Lover, I read was... Again, like, it was the the woman deciding to go through with this because she couldn't live on the mind alone. And I guess one of the the themes of the book overall was you need the the two things for relationship, mind and body. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. And I do kind of wonder, yes, it's obscene, quote unquote, but... The patriarchy. Yeah, maybe some of the power roles, too, were an issue for people.
1: I also, you said something in the last episode that has been sticking with me. And it's, she said the quiet thing out loud. Yeah. And that is something that I keep seeing through a lot of these books is the authors not being afraid to say what the rest of society doesn't want to say Mm. or doesn't want somebody else to say. It's interesting. And it's like, yes, there were women having affairs. There were married women sleeping with unmarried men. Mm. There were women like Fanny Hill who took charge of their own destinies or like Catherine Bush in the case of Eleanor Glynn's books Mm -hmm. who like she wanted to have sex outside of marriage and that's totally fine. That was her choice. But for readers at the time and critics at the time, I think the fact that these authors were saying these kind of unspoken conventions out loud, mm-hmm. I think it rubbed them the wrong way. I could see them wanting them to shut up. Yeah. Just to be like, you know, shut up. You're wrong. This is yeah. not how it is. It's how I say it is. Yeah. It's like this is I did mm-hmm. not give you permission to talk about this thing that I do that I already feel guilty for. Mm-hmm. So, why are you talking about it? Mm. Shush, shush and sit shush down. And sit down.
0: <laughs> I mean, the things, shushers. But it's weird because, in some ways, too, Eleanor Glynn was kind of on their side. Because this one point that really kind of surprised me was when she talked about, yeah, women shouldn't be educated probably because they're just too dumb or they're not going to get it. Yeah. And for, for as much as they like uplifted their own love story, and like Lady and Paul were both like, oh my God, we're so amazing, we absolutely deserve this love, we're just so spectacular people, then they would go on like, oh look at all these ordinary people who wouldn't get it.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of classism still, and yeah. I really oh, think that. Oh, there is so much. Yeah, yeah, I think that's another hallmark of the time is that classism mm-hmm. that you see, and that's another thing I think that was that stood out with Fanny Hill is because Fanny was a sex worker, she mm-hmm. was lower class, she was earning her money her own way in a way that people have systematically looked down upon yeah. throughout history and still look down upon today um and i think that that classism also plays into huge effect um it's not fun to read now because like especially even reading eleanor's glenn books you're like oh my god just stop <laughs> <lot> talking she- <laughs> about people like that <laughs> and there was a lot she could have cut and edited yeah and,
0: but then she'd have really good points to make about marriage and one of the things i really loved that she did say was when she was talking about how you have to constantly have a man chase you because as soon as they think the hunt is over exactly and they get bored of you and she kind of mirrored it with paul because he starts the story thinking he's in love with this um this middle class daughter who i guess took care of him when he had a broken collarbone yeah uh, it was kind of funny how they described her because they very much made her like this broad strong like woman anti-feminine yeah yeah Yeah. thank you it was like a very anti-feminine woman who was like thick and rudy and like barely noticed him too which is really interesting and i think that was her point was all right so she barely notices you she doesn't believe you when you're like i love you i love you i love you uh the parents are terrified he's gonna marry her so they send him send him yes. off on this trip and yeah as soon as he was gone and saw the ladies like who's this lady like i don't care about this other girl anymore. i like this cougar yeah let me get this other girl who's this like is the og cougar yeah <sighs> she's 10 years older than him and she, so yeah she makes this point that you know men don't really they don't Once they have you, then they're not interested anymore. And it mirrored with Paul. And it was also a reason, like, don't be married. Because once again, they have you. Once you love them too much, that's it. Oh, wow. That's like mirrors poor Eleanor's life and her (laughs) love with George. I could see Eleanor. And again, thinking about what you said about critics not liking the points that these books bring up, I could see them also being like, no, don't believe them. Yeah. That's not how it is. What are you talking about? Like, no, marriage is fine. (laughs) You love it. When was divorce legalized? I guess it depends on the state. Cause remember, like we talked about in the one episode um, in personal ads, actually, like Wyoming did it. Or either Wyoming right. or California did it first, and then 1942. There were still places too that had like no contest divorces versus like you need somebody need to be at fault. And I, th- I think
1: it took a while for it to yeah. be what we consider it today so this is still so like um 1916 the u.s led the world in number of divorces by 1942 the u.s supreme court ruled in williams versus north carolina that other states had to recognize these divorces um under the constitution so i don't i guess yeah that kind of makes sense too because you know you had this old guard of people who are like no divorce is illegal marriage should only between be between one man and one woman unless you're a mormon
0: <laughs> and
1: um all this stuff and then all these books are coming along that are like very anti-establishment. Mm. And I think, too, Maybe that weighs a, into it. I think that's a good point because, yeah, none of these people are living conventional lives. No.
0: And it's very against the time where it. this is supposed to model how you're supposed to live. And yeah. none of these people are living in social And literature was ways. like
1: this golden mm-hmm. be- shining beacon that you were like, that it was meant to uphold and represent mm-hmm. society. You know, golden city on a hill or shining city on a hill. Um, and, and here these authors are and they're writing about the nitty gritty down yeah. in the trenches sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I do too. Well, except for the classism, but and, and the there racism. were some. I mean,
0: there yeah, there was some racism.
1: <laughs> in that book. There was a lot, especially with Eleanor Glynn, that mm-hmm. I didn't really talk about because um, the lady is portrayed as quote a Slav, a Slavic, yeah. um, and there's a lot of like anti Eastern block yeah. anti like that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. of course the block wasn't around oh no i guess it would have been around i mean they still talked about
0: how the the slavic people were like barbarians there was a lot of barbarian talk in that book and there was this whole section too with um with roma but they did the slur yeah yeah which was kind of gross and oh you know what the thing he really really upset me at this one point there paul is like going out on a on a hike and a year ago, the, the Roma lady sees him and she's like, oh, you are so blessed and your children are going to sit on thrones. And he's like, yeah, because it, he had just found out he had a son. Yeah. And then a year later, after she's been murdered, he sees her again. And she's just so like, I've lost my husband and I've lost my son and we're so doomed. And he just looks at her and he's like, oh, wow, I have been brought low to this miserable creature's level. <laughs> <funny>. Wow.
1: Okay. <laughs> that is some
0: way to accept shared grief. And then that's that's his turning point to be like, all right, I got to get over my depression and myself and, Mm. like, you know, make her proud of me, Hmm. which was
1: it was it was pretty rough. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Paul is I don't know. Paul is such an interesting character.
0: And you know how people usually argue that, oh, I don't understand why this heroine is so great. She's so boring and plain and blah, blah, blah. I kind of felt that way about Paul yeah and she's just talking about how english and grady is the whole time and that seems to be his selling point
1: yeah because britishness at the time was like the old and she was british too right yeah exactly and then there was like so in hallett's book which is inventing the it girl in case you haven't listened and you're like what the heck are they talking about go read inventing the it girl and listen to our last episode um something that hallett talks about is how how to say this how eleanor didn't really hold herself to British standards and like didn't consider herself fully like British because she was very anti what a lot of the upper class was doing, Mm -hmm. as we talked about. Um, until Victoria died. And then she witnessed the funeral procession and she's like, Wow, I feel this kind of kindred spirit with my fellow Brits. So she like found patriotism? She found patriotism and then World War (laughs) One (laughs) happened. And she like found it. she found some good patriotism there because, you know, she was working for the cause. She was working for mm-hmm. um, her fellow countrymen and like trying to aid and support them. And she was writing to the Americans. And then after World War One, she was just like kind of lost in a drift. And she felt the sense of Britishness fading. And that's when she went to the Amer- America. Oh, okay. And she was like, I feel home again. Mm. I don't so remember what we were talking about but I don't either I'm like where <laughs> did
0: we go on our tangent sorry I wasn't expecting to talk, talk that much about three weeks but yeah. it was kind of interesting and I kind of see talking to you to some of the other reasons why okay these books are pretty dangerous and why yeah we have to label them obscene or immoral or I can't remember all the reasons but they were like yeah oof, okay
1: <laughs> yeah well just people just didn't <laughs> like what they were talking about Fair enough. Yeah. But everything changes
0: after the Supreme Court rules on the Kinsley International Pictures versus Regents mm. in the 60s, and that's what ended up overturning a lot of the previous precedent on, censor- on censorship and obscenity laws, and, and we haven't had the U.S. government ban any books since then. So that took care of the federal federal governmental control that had censored books up to this point. And yes, I'm saying federal on purpose, because there are some state governments that are trying to ban books. <coughs> Virginia.
1: Um, although no actually virginia did rule today that yeah. the um the people who brought the lawsuit did not have a leg to stand on and so. i mean there's still texas and florida yeah. and a bunch of the others yeah,
0: yeah. but we're not talking Anyways. about that because i don't want to <laughs> get in trouble we don't want to be depressed <laughs> that too so with a lot of the obscenity laws overturned it meant less banned books but that did not mean censorship wouldn't find a way somehow yeah Yay. So, Jackie, you're going to have to let me know if you agree with me on the end of this. But today, I see romance censorship mainly from two places. And I I mean specifically for adult. Okay. Okay. So, for adult romance. Okay. Just adult romance. Adult romance. Yes. Let's just put everything else out of our minds because it's depressing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But Amazon screw-ups and weird rules and from mass public pressure. Yes. Okay. I'm really, really sorry to Nook and iBook readers out there, but Amazon is basically the king of e-books. I don't... You don't have to like it. I definitely don't, but I mean, we're not going to lie to ourselves either. Like the what they say goes. Yeah. It just it sucks, but it's the way it is. So the future of a lot of romance ebooks rests in the hands of Amazon and other retailers tend to follow in their footsteps. That's why we saw some of the massive book bans we talked about in our Scandals episode. Mm -hmm. So issues with copyright, whether correct or false, end up getting a lot of books kicked off the platform. I just got two emails from authors I follow saying their most recent releases weren't launched because of confusion over the covers. The content review team decided that the titles and the cover of their books were too similar to a different author's, even though no other book has that title and it's a pretty basic cover in my Mm. opinion. Also, there's a lot of romance authors that kind of do these series together. Yeah. So it's like Taste of Summer, and then they each write a, a title under that series. And I guess for whatever reason, it just really confused Amazon. Yeah. Because they all had the logo on the cover, but it was different covers.
1: Uh, but like the covers are pretty
0: basic romance covers. It's that's like interesting. couples hanging out together.
1: Yeah, because you don't necessarily, you don't have to provide your copyright proof when no. you upload onto KDP, mm-hmm. which is Kindle Direct publishing um you just say like yeah i own copyright to this and they're like
0: okay but thanks to this amazon now wants proof she's allowed to use the series name which has basically been her like like sending emails to amazon with her book cover and being like this is this is me nobody else has it i don't know what you want from me so i don't know that's like proving a
1: negative yeah i know (laughs) actually it's like I'm allowed to because yeah. it's
0: mine. Because it's mine. So the book was supposed to be released on August 29th. And as of this recording, the situation is still not resolved. Amazon also requires books on their Kindle Unlimited program to be exclusive to them for a period of time. So she can't put it yeah. anywhere else either. Yep. So a lot of censorship that happens is just Amazon being a massive organization that makes these screw ups. And it's hard to get through to a real person. A lot of their Kindle stuff is run with bots and algorithms.
1: Yeah, I mean, we saw it with Ru- uh, Ruby Dixon yep. back in what December, January, mm-hmm. something they like just that. Had stuff taken they just down. pulled everything down without warning, mm-hmm. and Ruby was like, "I'm trying." And then finally, because everybody on social media was like, "Get Ruby back," yeah. <laughs> Amazon was like, "Okay." But most people aren't lucky enough to have that kind of fan no, base, so that's no. why
0: this particular author and others I've I've mentioned and talked to, and well, not talked to—I don't talk to people—but <laughs> authors I've read about they have such a hard time dealing with this because it's like you email you email you email you get an automated message back it takes forever to get to a real person it's yeah. like at a certain point you, you email, what are you what are you supposed to do email jeff bezos he doesn't care like, what do you do? <laughs> and they don't have to care either because as we talked about in our scandal episode a lot of the safety guards that were there are gone thanks yeah. to the rwa explosion so yeah. good yeah. job there guys yeah yeah what
1: author was it
0: Oh, uh, Nicole Rose and Danny Wyatt.
1: Oh. Mm -hmm. Oh. Yeah. Oh, do you want to see the cover? You can tell me if this is supposed to be all, oh, this is not unique enough. (laughs) Also, covers are so interesting because, especially like indie authors like this. So what do you think? Oh. It's just because of the colors. Yeah. Because, yeah, they're sharing a series together. Yeah, it even says the series name on the thing. Mm -hmm. So, people, if you want to go Google this, they won't be in the libraries. I'm sorry. Um, We have Wearing Their Pearls by Nicole Rose. Yep. (laughs) Um, Which has uh, two... Men, one is Caucasian with blonde hair. The other one is darker skin with dark, long hair. And they both have white tank tops on and a white heroine between them. And the other one is Skinny Dipping by Danny Wyatt. And it's one man, one woman. The guy doesn't even have a shirt on. First (laughs) off, where's your shirt? Well, it's my skinny dipping. Exactly. And then she, the heroine has dark hair. She's Mm -hmm. white. And she has a tank, like a, a swimsuit on. But they have like... Yeah, I mean, so it's the same font. It's the same. There's like sparkly bits and same like color scheme, but no, no. That's why a lot of this—it's not real people deciding it. This is why I'm terrified of Amazon personally. Because I'm like, what if I get a copyright notice (laughs) for my book? And then I'm like, how do I prove it's mine? Do you want my emails with my cover designer? What do you want? I don't even
0: know. Amazon's so weird. (laughs) They also have weird rules to the content you can include in your book. I guess I shouldn't say weird. This particular part is weird, though, because they do not allow books with hate speech, promoting the abuse or sexual exploitation of children, contains pornography, glorifies rape or pedophilia advocates terrorism or other material we deem inappropriate or offensive. Mm. So, like that, on the face of it, sounds great. I mean, those things are all terrible. <sighs> That's right? sticky
1: territory, though. I do not
0: want people to think I am for those things. I no, just make that no, real clear. <laughs> no. We are not for any of those things. <laughs> we do not like those things. But, but as we have talked about in dark romance, they get real close to some of those topics, or even
1: bully romance. Mm, yeah, bully romance, mafia romance. Yep. I mean, dark. These are all like dark. These are all kind of in the dark family. <laughs> There's certain tropes
0: I'm not going to name because it's a work podcast, But yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a lot that could fall under these things. Obviously, they wrote them broadly enough that they can kick people like Andrew Tate off the platform. He's like a misogynistic jerk. Yeah. But these content guidelines have gotten authors blocked and banned because they got too close to a line they weren't even aware of. Yeah, And that last one about material they deem inappropriate or offensive is really, really broad.
1: Yeah. So I've read stories
0: from certain doc- dark authors who got in trouble or had all of their books yanked because somebody reported their books out of like... God only knows why. Yeah. Or the algorithm uh, screwed them over. And I've also read about complaints that Amazon will just change the rules with no warning or yeah. give you a chance to defend yourself before your work is just gone.
1: That exclusivity clause, too, is really dangerous mm. because it's like the first 90 days. Yeah. Or like, yeah. So it's if you publish with Kindle Unlimited um, as an ebook, you can only have your book distributed by Kindle Unlimited for the first 90 days, which is on the surface it sounds great but then say like your book gets super popular and people start being like I want to buy your book I would like to like so people as in other retailers mm-hmm. they'd be like I want to buy your book I want to do all this your, your hands are tied for 90 days mm-hmm. um, and it also gets dangerous because of pirating platforms this has happened to Ruby and a couple yeah, other a authors of people. where people will pirate and then sell and then the authors get kicked back and mm-hmm. get pulled off Amazon because they're like you're selling your book through other people and they're like somebody stole my book <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've seen
0: that happen a lot. There's just a lot of ways to kind of get screwed over by this whole process. Yeah. It's too bad. Yeah. But I, I do kind of consider it censorship from like a technology yeah, standpoint. Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at things. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I mean, between our publishing and our scandal episodes, we just we know Amazon doesn't care. No. Like, I don't think I'm being too overdramatic when I'm like, Amazon does not care. No. It's easier in the end for them to be safe instead of sorry. And they just yank the book. They're not going to take a lot of time to figure out if they should have really deleted that dark Bigfoot stepfather erotica. (laughs) Like, they're just going to get rid of it. Bigfoot! See, just for you. (laughs) Sasquatch. So that's the side of censorship today that's just sort of dumb luck. Yeah. It's just kind of like, wrong place, wrong time, wrong title. Just kind of it is what it is. Yeah, Amazon is just, you you can't fight Amazon. But I do think we also have to acknowledge the role social media and public pressure has started to play, too. Yes. I'm not saying it's
1: a good or a bad thing. No. It's just a thing. It is a thing. It is a huge thing. Jen doesn't want to name it, but I will. There's a lot of cancel culture that goes around. <sighs> Look, there's but no there's such... more beyond that. Look,
0: first, there's no such thing as cancel culture. No. It's made up. It's stupid. Yeah. It's so stupid. Yeah. Like, it doesn't, like, it, oh, you're canceled because you're getting some rightful criticism. And Andrew Tate. Oh, I got like, canceled.
1: Like, good. Probably for a good
0: reason. <laughs> And honestly, nobody really gets canceled. Everybody bounces back somehow.
1: Yeah. So the only people
0: I would accept it f- is for somebody who does not have a public platform to fix it later.
1: Like who has been canceled really? Kate Stewart just got canceled. I don't know who Kate Stewart so is. So she writes. Um um, um. 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 So she wrote the Flocked series on Kindle Unlimited, which is a. Um. Was it Monster? Of its flock? In- incest. Um uh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so like people that's been fine. That's not what got her canceled. What did was that she wrote a series from and and this is good. She wrote a series from the viewpoint of a heroine who was black uh, and Kate okay. Stewart is white, and she was using very harmful language. Okay. And so a lot of readers, a lot of readers of color, a lot of um Reviewers came out and they're like, hey, you shouldn't do this. And then she stood her ground. No. And she was like, it's my right. I can do whatever I want as an author. But should you? But should you? (laughs) So she's been that that's what the TikTok drama last week was Oh boy <laughs> yeah okay yeah. but still she's gonna bounce back eventually or yeah. she's right under a new name it's like willow winters this past uh, the past winter had the same mm. thing happen she writes dark romances yeah. um and she said some very harmful things and now she's back and just plugging yeah. along
0: as usual yeah exactly like nobody's ever really canceled they just like to cry yeah. about it not my point and i really did not every want book a reader every
1: reader their book i don't want to have an much opinion as on this we don't like it
0: sometimes <laughs> obviously the public has always had some sort of input on books it wasn't just the government banning books like Fanny Hill there's a lot of people who agreed that the book was obscene and needed to be banned like that's true forever but it feels like it's much more intense with social media today yeah I am again going to try to avoid any discussion about any kid or picture book yes and talk to you about a book I'm not going to name because I don't want to have to put it on our excel sheet 'Cause it's a really stupid book, honestly. <coughs> but for those in the know, it is the Nazi romance one. Oh, okay. That one. Yeah. Yeah. So for anyone who didn't immediately go, oh, because you remember this whole debacle.
1: And to everybody who went, oh. Yeah, we're yeah. Yeah, you heard that right. <laughs> That's the
0: correct response. Back in twenty fifteen, RWA nominated this Christian fiction romance for one of their Rita Awards, where a Polish Jewish concentration camp prisoner falls in love with a Nazi commander. The book ends with her redeeming him. And converting to Christianity. It was supposed to be this retelling of the book of Esther, which is about a Jewish woman marrying a king who wants to kill the Jewish people in his territory, and she gets him not to do that. So to the group of people this book was meant for, evangelical Christians, this was a great book and a new way to look at that story. But to everybody else, no! <laughs> no, 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 Was the no! author Jewish? No absolutely not no this was published by bethany house which is a christian
1: publishing yeah you said and that i, mean, I just it's, had it's to like very i had, christian. had to say the quiet part out loud it's
0: super super christian and yeah they had the jewish person convert
1: <sighs> so <sighs> even if herself. we yeah so if we move beyond the whole nazi thing mm-hmm. um which is pretty big in its own right the 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 making the jewish character convert after she has redeemed um like, this Person. Bad guy. Um, yeah. To be fair,
0: I mean, a lot of people have had to do things to survive, and yeah, like, you know, if you had to convert to keep from getting murdered, okay, this fine. Is your but choice, it's just like
1: that's fine. It's just gross. It's
0: so gross. I'm sorry. It just is. I don't know how to put it any more lightly than that without screaming a lot more. Like it's just it's, a lot of it's the language that was used was
1: gross too. Yeah.
0: It's just not good.
1: Very anti-Semitic. It's not good. So,
0: of course, Romance Landia erupts, and there is a lot of back and forth on if this is anti-Semitic, if the author should get to keep the reward, this book should not even be in print, yada, yada, yada. It's just, like, kind of what we're doing right now, me and Jackie. And, of course, that got the other people upset who felt like this book was being taken in bad faith, that we shouldn't censor anything at any time, and the author gets to write whatever she wants. And, you know, to people in the belief system, I could see how this is, like, a nice retelling of the book of Esther, but it's, like... But Did at the you same time do that? Oh, just, oh, wasn't Esther Jewish? Yeah. Well, that's the whole thing cuz both characters, so Esther and then the, the Polish Jewish woman, um they both had to hide their faith. Yeah. Right? So she just was a normal prisoner, I think, and um in the concentration camp. Well, Esther, oh. yeah. Esther pretended not to be Jewish when she married the evil king and then the other lady too in the Nazi uh, concentration camp pretended not to be and they both had this secret and it was like they revealed themselves and saved their people. Was okay. kind of the idea. Okay. I, but the, the summaries I saw for this book was she converted to save her life. So I'm like a little iffy on that part. I'm yeah. not reading the book. So, yes, I no. am getting the second hand. I'm sorry if that upsets you, but I'm not reading this book.
1: I've read portions of it because I was like, what is going on? But like, this was 2015. Much, I have read many things since it. then. <laughs> okay. Many things that I would rather occupy my brain and with.
0: I don't know. And I'm unsure about where to stand on this because I read some really weird dark romance. And maybe yeah. I shouldn't judge. Monster at same romance. Time, at the same time, it is a Nazi romance. Yeah. And that should be an oxymoron. Like, yeah. I don't think I'm going to get in
1: trouble for saying we should probably
0: think really, really hard before we do a Nazi romance.
1: Well, the problem is that one tried to get published on KDP. this past winter Mm -hmm. winter 2021 yeah and of course social media was like uh no Mm -hmm. i would think that'd be against their hate speech policy yeah but somehow she snuck in just under the wire Gross. Yeah, but
0: like we're talking now i mean we keep saying like the public the public it gets out it gets out you can't deny how the public's attention to these things are blowing up problems with the text and the attentions and yeah the book itself got challenged so it's up to you to decide if it should exist or not i know lots of people have strong feelings about censorship we definitely do but it does it do, like it it does i it exists and the library owns copies of it so good or bad this very lasered attention is making people reconsider what they write we talked about a twitter story a couple months ago where an author pulled her story because she got so much pushback for how she wrote her blind heroin yeah there was that other one from the author who refused to use trigger warnings so she ended up with a ton of one-star reviews yeah. and i want to make it really clear I do not really believe in cancel culture or some kind of Twitter mob ruining these people's lives because that's stupid too. And it's like a dog whistle and I'm not going to, I'm not doing that. Yeah. But we are able to get so many different perspectives all the time in ways that were not possible when Fannie Hill was being published. And it feels very dishonest not to point that out in an episode about banning and censorship. Mm -hmm. So we don't really need a
1: government or a board banning things anymore because we're doing it ourselves. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Obviously there is still a lot of government activity, state government (laughs) activity, (laughs) Um, but again, just adult.
0: Yeah, just cause adult. Agree, because we don't really need to protect adults in the same way, but no. I think it does kind of speak to what our values are. Yeah. Like, we both do not agree in Nazi romance. No. I think that's pretty fair. No. But we- at the same time, like, we mm-hmm. are librarians. You know, we believe in un- intellectual freedom and no censorship
1: and yada yada. But it's like, this is, like, I kind of a head scratcher because, like, it's so bad. Yeah, it's kind of like... So I'm gonna I'm gonna relate a little story in for you. Yeah. So like it's Jen is saying, as librarians, we do not believe in censorship censorship. Mm-hmm. We do not like we do not censor materials, anything like that. We are not allowed actually not allowed to tell somebody that they cannot check something out. Yeah. Like if a kid goes into the adult section in a library and pulls Fifty Shades off the shelf. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't get to say anything. I can say, "Hey, do you want to find a book that's you know a little easier for you to read, or maybe is more mm-hmm. suited to your reading level?" Um, but I, I physically cannot be like, "You cannot check this book out. I will yeah. not allow you to." Um, so, Sausage Party, the movie. Oh, that one. Yeah, that one. A lot of it's problems an animated that. movie, and yeah. kids are like, "Oh my god, hot dog!" Mm-hmm. That is not a kid-friendly movie. No, I was shooketh yeah. when I watched it. Um, but same thing, I can, I could not tell kids who pulled it off the shelf and they're like, I'm going to watch this. I'm like, is your parent here? <laughs> like, it's just one of those things that libraries cannot censor. We will not censor, you know, that's, I think librarians on a principle are like, yeah. for the most part, most librarians mm-hmm. are like, yeah, no, we stand for, you know, freedom to read freedom as I like to <laughs> see on the posters. <laughs> um, and I think that's too many times the idea of censorship gets caught up in what we should be reading. Mm-hmm. And romance, of course, most people will say, oh, you shouldn't read that. It's trash. Yeah, And so I think it gets caught up a lot in these censorship mm-hmm. things. It is outweighed very heavily, like Jen said at the beginning of the episode, by kids and by children's and teen materials, mm-hmm. especially materials of marginalized communities, LGBTQ plus communities, that sort of stuff. But we still have that same issue in adult materials yeah. too. So um trans romances for mm-hmm. instance right now for book club we are reading alexis hall um a lady for a duke mm-hmm. which is a trans romance it is great everybody should go check it out um but i had a patron the other day i they liked regency romance and this is a regency romance it like directly talks about the consequences of the battle of waterloo and this patron came up to the desk and like i like regency i was like oh awesome so our book club is actually gonna be reading this here it is and they're like oh the cover it's interesting and the cover uses a trans model Mm -hmm. i'm like yeah so this is a book it's about um a trans heroine who survived the battle of waterloo and saw it as her chance to like be the person she wanted to be and she left her old life behind transitioned into a woman and now she has her own love story to pursue and the patron goes oh people shouldn't be reading that oh uh, and i was like well that's your opinion yeah just you don't read it yeah don't come to book club yeah exactly don't don't, come to that one. don't worry i don't think they will <laughs> i think i scared them off with mm. my this book is great mm-hmm. so i i don't know it's just an ongoing issue that mm-hmm we're going to have to keep facing and it's boiling down even more
0: in some ways it's even messier today
1: because it is so loud yeah
0: it's very very loud and people make a lot of opinions known but then they don't actually follow up
1: follow up yeah Yeah. in
0: some ways it's easier for us but it is
1: (laughs) i think a lot of people just want to be heard right now yeah and that's fine like we we will take your opinions into consideration into Mm -hmm. account um I am never going to buy girls, guns, and g-strings for the library. <laughs> I'm just not. I'm sorry. <laughs> I will say, that's not censorship. You can go get it at another library because it's in the system. Mm-hmm. But I personally will not buy it for here. If you want it, I'll help you find it. But I don't know. I think there's so much gray area and there's so much like difference of opinion when it comes to censorship, when it comes to challenging books, when it comes even to banning books that you know we say every book a reader every reader the book mm-hmm. for the nazi book there's readers out there who really like it yeah i mean like that was really clear
0: i mean they have a lot of support like yeah. like i said it did it won the christie award which is the christian romance yeah, like, some, like some equivalent one. to the ritas it was nominated for a rita in christian romance like and I mean it. the thing that killed me too was it got through several nominations and like boards to even get to that process and up till that point nobody had been like huh
1: well this I this is think weird that when you submit something like so for instance for the Christian award yeah. I think it goes through the Christian review boards mm-hmm. first and of course well, yeah well they're not not gonna court, care. but they're
0: going to be like yeah no this is great that's what I mean but like for the Rita's yeah like lots of people apply for that well they d- used to yeah not <laughs> they anymore used to when the Rita's still existed but like with all these people that must have applied for that award and to, to, like, get into the finalist list, like, there wasn't anybody at RWA that was just kind of like, hmm, is mm. this actually a good idea? Yeah. And it, it didn't it didn't happen until the internet took notice? When
1: was Goodreads created? Like, 2008. Oh, okay. It was two years off. 2006. Not Kelly. It was 2008. Mm-hmm. So, I wonder, too, now, like you were saying, Jen, with social media, with public pressure, mm-hmm. with these people who will actively... Anti review books, I guess yeah. you could say. That's
0: true. I mean, that's, I, I don't want to say it's an active censorship, but it does drag down your ratings to get yeah. the one star.
1: Well, that's not. Um, like,
0: again, in the algorithm. Yeah. Well, so that. to
1: briefly, we'll briefly venture into YA, I promise this is it. Right now there's a book that came out by an author, Alex Astor. Um, it's called Light Lark. It's a YA fantasy book. Um, And there was a lot of ish going around it because people were claiming that Alex Astor was a nepotism baby when it came to like getting her book published and getting a movie mm-hmm. deal on it. And Actually, before wow. like it even came out and before art okay. creators were getting it and all this sort of stuff. And when people started hearing that, People got big mad. <laughs> people were like, "Uh-uh, no, we do not like nepotism babies. You know, there's all these other authors out here. And I haven't read the book. I've had people tell me I have to read the book to experience it for myself because apparently the prose is very interesting. OK. Was that like it's bad interesting or good yeah, interesting? Yeah, bad interesting. Huh. But like I said, I haven't read it, so I'm not going to make a judgment call on it. But a lot of people having not read it, having only heard this, they went onto Goodreads, rated at one star, dnf'd it like all this stuff wrote negative reviews and so the book went from having 4.5 whatever stars out of five on goodreads all the way now i think it has like Mm 2.8 and it just came out okay and i'm like that is bad public pressure yeah like if a book is bad okay once it comes out Mm -hmm. legitimate reviews like like so with amazon you can only review something if you buy it right right um but again with amazon too you can buy it and return it Mm mm-hmm which also sucks. Yeah. So, I think if you're listening to this podcast, you're not going to be the type of person who does this, but <laughs> hopefully you're not. Um, give valid reviews. Yeah. And if you don't like something, make clear why. Yeah. We like to hear why people don't like something, mm-hmm. and we can make our own opinions because we are adults. Yeah. Moral of the story. Beautiful. Thank you. I don't know where to go from there. <laughs> Please don't attack me. For that. Yeah. I don't give me public pressure no. next. Banned book week is important to recognize. Challenged books are important to recognize. Well, Jen and I encourage you this month to go out and pick up um, a banned or challenged mm-hmm. book. Um, like I said, if you like it, go buy it and support that author. Um, if it is a classic, so like Jane Austen, Jane Austen wasn't to banned Kill a Mockingbird. anything. To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, To Kill yeah. a
0: Mockingbird's on the list. All- well, it yeah. was,
1: it used to be on the list. It finally got knocked off, but it was yeah. on the list for like years. Yeah. But like, so Lady Chatterley's Lover, mm-hmm. um, it's on Gutenberg, so you don't have to buy it. Also, if you buy something that old, the money doesn't go to the author because mm-hmm. the author is obviously dead and it doesn't go to the estate. It just goes like we said with the Jane Austen episode, it goes to whoever published, published the book. Mm-hmm. So in that case, go to your library. Yeah. But for To Kill a Mockingbird, for *Gender Queer*, for Fifty Shades of Grey, go buy the book. Yeah. Especially Genderqueer. I like Genderqueer a lot. Well, check it out from the library first so we get stats and yes. then go buy it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank
0: you. <laughs> Do it for both of us.
1: <laughs> Ted I, Talk done. That was
0: beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. So if you guys have any more questions on Banned Book Week or anything else we talked about today, please reach out at RagingRomantics at nopal.org. We would love to keep the conversation going if you're still yeah. interested. This is going to be a recurring problem for a very long time. It is. It's going to be a thing. Uh, do some Googling if you're curious because it's.
1: <laughs> I'll put a couple links. Obviously, yeah. I'll put the ALA link in the show mm-hmm. notes. Um, but I will also put a link to some good resources for Abandoned Challenge yes. books.
0: Well, thank you so much for that, Jackie. And thank that, you, that wraps up our September month. <gasps> so do you know what that means? Yeah, it's spooky season. We're finally getting ready for. Monsters. And witches. <gasps> <gasps> so I don't know about you guys,
1: but you better not miss out. It's going to be so, so fun. Key. And we might have an extra little gift in there for we'll you. No promises, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. You got you guys better keep checking back. So you should, uh, you know, listen <laughs> to the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Very awesome episode.
0: I try way too hard.
1: We're rambling so much at this point. (laughs) Yeah, let's get
0: off. All right. Thank you guys so much. We will see you next time for our spooky season.
1: (gasps) Happy fall. And Jen, what do we always say? Great job. Bye, guys.